Good morning, everyone. The Old Testament reading for today is 1 Samuel 3, uh, verses 1 through 20, and it's page 423 in your pew Bible. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord unto Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, In his eyes, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Our New Testament reading is from the book of John on page 1647 in your pew Bible. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good from from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The word of God for the people of God. Friends, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious and holy God, 
This morning, O Lord, we are here. We are your servants and we are listening. Speak to us, O God. Give us the words of life that only you have. And we have the courage to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, friends, for being a friend. The guy in the sound booth knows that I love the Golden Girls. So. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. That's funny. Now I've lost my train of sermon thought. <laughs> All I can see is B. Arthur in my head laying on that sofa eating a bowl of popcorn that she has on her chest. Probably 10 or 11 years ago, I noticed something. Amanda and I might be out in a restaurant, or I would be in a meeting with a whole group of folks, or maybe at a conference or a district event where there was a lot of conversation. I have a really hard time if I were carrying on a conversation with someone. They could be as close as Jay is to me from here, and I could be looking at their lips, but I couldn't make out what they were saying. So at Amanda's uh, probably encouragement, uh, I called the hearing doctor and I set up a test and yes indeed, I was having hearing loss and I know I'm overdue for another hearing test. In fact, you know, this was not long after Amanda and I got married and I think one of her academic advisors said to her, you know Amanda, (laughs) when a couple gets married, it's very common for the husband to all of a sudden not be able to hear. (laughs) And I think she assured him that yes, no indeed, hearing loss is gone. And that's still very difficult for me. I'll, I'll be out somewhere with the girls and there'll be a lot of noise around them. And uh, my kids aren't the best at like standing still. And I'll be like, I need you to stand still and look at me so I can hear you. Sometimes it's really difficult. Maybe some of you have been there. You're out in a social situation. There's a lot of noise around and someone's talking to you. And it's just hard to hear them because... There's so much other noise around. There are so many other voices speaking that it can be difficult to hone in and really hear speaking. Now that can happen, you know, in a restaurant or that can happen in a grocery store. But maybe there's another kind of hearing with which you're familiar. Because you see, friends, there's a lot of voices all around us, aren't there? There's a lot of voices. There's the voice of greed and lust and materialism. There's the voice of self. There's the voice of envy. There's the voice of jealousy. There's the voice of kindness and compassion and love and care. And all around us, every day, there are all sorts of voices coming at us. And really, one of the main tasks of the journey of the Christian life is to, among a cacophony of voices, to hear the voice of God. Oh, what a difficult challenge that can be at times. Today's story, uh, today's scripture stories from 1 Samuel, really are that. They're about hearing and about listening and about a word from God, a call that goes forth that asks for a response. First and Second Samuel are perhaps some of my favorite writings in the entire Bible. They are packed. 
I tell folks, if you took, you know, like what happened, wow, it would be like on the restricted channels. There's a lot of violence and gore and other things all through there. And the biblical writers, if you've read like First and Second Samuel closely, they don't spare details. So-and-so is disemboweled and their bowels gushed out. I mean, come on, this is in the Bible. This is pretty intense stuff. I'm trying to get some of you interested in going home and reading your Bibles. <laughs> Start with First and Second Samuel. Or Judges, my wife's favorite book. And you're going to read it and you're going to realize that's your favorite book. And then you're going to want to steer clear of her. <laughs> Judges is really intense. So first and second Samuel, you can sort of divide it up pretty easily. The first six or seven chapters have to do um, with the end of the Judges in Israel's life, in the period. And then uh, the, from uh, around chapter 7 through the rest of the book of First Samuel is about Saul, the first king of Israel. And then 2 Samuel is about David, the second king of uh, Israel, the, of the kingdom of Israel. And so we have, I want to just set the stage for you a little bit because context is vitally important in understanding the reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. There's a man named Eli, and Eli is a temple priest. And, but here's the thing about Eli, he's not a very good priest. And he has two sons, Phineas and Hophni, and they're even worse. They sexually take advantage of women who are working in the temple, and they extort money from people. They're guilty of this. And Eli knows this is going on, and he doesn't step in and do a thing about it. He lets them continue. And there's a reason why in the beginning of chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, our author tells us that the word of the Lord, uh, it's pretty rare in those days. Corruption has become rampant. There's immorality, there's abuse, there's greed. Sound like today? You know, the Bible... Especially when we read these stories, what do we find? Kind of a, a distant mirror to our own times. And so despite all of that, despite the word of the Lord being rare in those days, despite the corruption, despite the perversion of the house of God, God still raises up this boy named Samuel. Hannah, Samuel's mother, has this beautiful song of praise to God in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that Mary echoes in the Magnificat in the book of Luke. Mary has been, or rather, Hannah has been pleading and praying to God to have a son. And finally God gives her a son. And what is her act of obedience to God? She gives her son over to God's use in the temple. And so he's 11, 12 years old, somewhere in there, and he is being uh, trained by Eli, probably not the best mentor, but he is the temple priest. And so in obedience to God, uh, Hannah uh, and Elkanah, her husband, give Samuel, their son, over to Eli to be trained in the temple. And so there's one night, Israel's corruption has sort of reached a new level. And Samuel's there sleeping, and he hears.
and he's weak, and he doesn't see well. Now, all of that was probably physically true. But there's something in the biblical text that we should read as well. Often when our author gives us those details, it applies perhaps, yes, to a physical condition, but also a spiritual one. Eli is older, but he's also weak spiritually. His eyesight is dim. There are all sorts of metaphors used in Scripture, but uh, poor eyesight, blindness, sleep, when that's applied spiritually, that's not good. So here's Eli. You won't hear me online without a microphone. Is this on? I have a... Gr- I have a- Hello. <laughs> so Eli and Samuel, Samuel's gotten up, he's gone to Eli, and Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. So Samuel goes back to his bed, he hears a voice a second time, he gets up, he goes to Eli, Eli says, no, it wasn't me again. So he goes back to sleep, and a third time, a third time, three is an important number in the Bible. A third time, the voice comes, and finally, Eli thinks he might have an idea of what's happening. He says, oh, that's God. He says, all right, next time you hear a voice, Samuel, say, I'm your servant. I'm listening. And so when the voice comes again, Eli, or or rather Samuel, says, I'm here. Your servant is listening. Now notice there's a detail in the text just before Samuel gets that call the fourth time and responds, because now he knows, because Eli has told him who it is that's calling him. The text tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and so he couldn't hear his voice. Samuel, 11 or 12 years old, he's gone through all the right rituals, um, he's, he's come into the temple, he's being trained, but the text tells us that he doesn't hear that it is the Lord because he doesn't yet know him. Sit with that detail because we will return to it in just a moment. So after getting clarity and after hearing it for the fourth time and responding that, here I am, I'm your servant, I'm listening, the Lord tells to Samuel all that's going to happen. There will be judgment on Eli's house because of what his sons have done and Eli's complicity in it. Because he is, he knows this is happening. And he's the temple priest, and yet he's refused to do anything about his son's abuse and corruption. And also, the Philistines, the next chapter, and they take the Ark of the Covenant. And what happens in that battle? Phineas and Hophni, Eli's two sons, are killed. And when Eli is told about it, He falls over dead. Wow. And Samuel told him all this. Told him what the Lord would do. And then there's a detail at the very end of the reading that Janice gave us. That Samuel, from that day forward, not a word that he gave fell to the ground. What does that mean? Not a word that he gave fell to the ground. Everything that he said 
Everything that went forth out of his mouth came to be. There was not a wasted word. Everything that God had given him to speak was for a purpose, had a mission, and it was accomplished. Think back to that detail halfway through that reading. Where Samuel has heard this voice calling him, and finally Eli realizes that it's God, but the text tells us that Samuel didn't because he didn't yet know the Lord. That text is telling us something about being able to hear God amidst all the other voices and the din and the noise around us. In the midst of confusion, how can we hear God? First Samuel shows us, doesn't it? In order to hear God, we have to what? We have to know God. Oh, Samuel heard a voice. He got up and responded. But he did not know it was God who had called him. And our text says, because he did not yet know God. And in Hebrew, that word for know, it's not just an intellectual curiosity or assent. It's not just knowing about someone. Samuel had all that down. He was being trained in the temple. He knew the liturgies and the rituals. He knew the words of Scripture. But that word in Hebrew means a, a closeness, a fellowship, a friendship, a connection that goes beyond just a, an intellectual relationship into something that's in the heart. And it was not until Samuel was able to move from here to here that he actually bored. Friends, for us, to be able to hear God and then to be able to respond to His call, it's not enough to just to know about God. We have to know God on a deep, intimate, personal level. See, that's the thing about our God. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. He wants to know us deeply so that we may know Him. And then He wants to use us to speak to the world around us. Friends, look at the world around us. Corruption everywhere. Even in the church. Misuse. Abuse. God is looking and calling still today, looking for Samuels, people who will know him and who will stay close to him so that they can hear his voice and then they can speak for him. Jesus in John chapter 1 goes along by the Sea of Galilee and he starts to call people. And he says three words. Come, follow me. And when you read the text, and this happens in really all four Gospels, it's really clear in John and in Mark, when Jesus calls, what happens? People immediately drop everything. And they follow. No hesitation, no equivocation, at least with the disciples. When they're called, immediately they follow. There must have been something 
so compelling about Jesus. They dropped everything and followed. And then, what happens? When they answer the call to come and follow, and then when others ask them about Jesus, they respond with three words. Come and see. Come and see. Jesus says to the disciples, come and follow. And they in turn say to others, come and see. So friends, when you take 1 Samuel and when you take John, they tell us a complete picture about the call of God on an individual's life. In the midst of the world around us, God is still calling people. And God wants people who will know Him so that they can hear Him when He calls to follow. And then they can invite others. Come and see. Because, friends, at the core of the Christian life, that is what it's all about. It's about each of us for ourselves coming and seeing who this God is that still calls. It's not enough to ride the coattails of somebody else or to go on secondhand news. Each one of us who has come and who has seen is then called to take the Word of God out and to tell to others, come and see. Come and see. Friends, the church needs Samuels today. We need people who are willing to stand up in the middle of wrongdoing and injustice and corruption and to say, this is not of God. This is not God's way. Come. See for yourselves who this God is. Friends, it's my prayer for you and for me that each of us has the courage to be a Samuel, to be willing to stand up when those around us, even our leaders, have failed, and to speak for God. That is the task of every follower of Jesus Christ. Will you be a Samuel with me? Amen.